0: Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marsolais. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings
1: podcast. I'm your host Sean Marcelet. Thank you so much for joining us again this week, and I'm excited to introduce my co-host today. Colby is back with us. Welcome, Colby. Hi. Hi. Do you want to remind our
2: listeners who you are, a little bit about your vision? Sure. So I'm Colby, and I'm one of the youth mentors. Um, I currently live in Trail, BC, and. Um, I'm totally blind currently, but I used to be able to see quite a bit. We have a special guest today.
1: I'm happy to welcome back to the podcast, Maria Zeldis. Welcome back,
3: Maria. Thanks, Sean. It's good to be back.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you joined us today because we're going to be talking about audio description, but we're going to be talking about it... Not not just sort of the like, yeah, it describes the action, but sort of how it can be beneficial to people who are born blind or have lost their vision very early in life um, in many ways. And you are the parent of a child that is blind. So maybe you can tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your daughter.
3: Sure. So. Like you mentioned, I am the parent of a child who is blind. My eldest daughter, Alina, she is now eight years old. But when she was just a little baby, um, when she was one, she lost her vision completely. So, you know, maybe there are some things in the depths of her conscience that she might remember what things look like, but probably for the most part, she has no memory of, of what things or people look like.
2: Mm hmm.
1: Okay, so let's define what audio description is. For anybody that doesn't know, it's sometimes called descriptive video, sometimes called audio description. But basically, it is this additional track that's added to a TV show or a movie, which gives the blind viewer um some idea of the action that's taking place in the show so might be that there's a music montage and uh, the audio describer is filling in what the action is that's happening or um or it's just sort of filling it in in the gaps between conversation so so and so enters the room or uh, all those kinds of things so it's kind of filling in the gaps for for those of us who can't see And audio description didn't actually exist when I was a kid. In fact, when I was 12 years old, it was something I entered a contest, and my it was I had to invent something that could help people who were blind, and I invented. TV, what I called TV earphones, and it was basically audio description. So that there would be this like headset that I could plug in when I was watching TV or a movie and it would tell me what was happening. So
3: oh, to think you could have patented that I oh, know, man. Like, you've been very, very well off,
1: but that's okay.
3: <laughs> so
1: it's definitely something I knew I knew I was missing. I knew I was missing a lot of what was happening. And, um, and it didn't, I think the first audio described movie I saw was maybe when I was 19 or 20. So there was a few movies that started to come out with audio description, but I don't know, I don't even know what year it started being on TV. I mean, that's just life-changing. When did you first become aware of audio description? Do you remember?
2: Um, I'm trying to think like, I never was aware of it when I had some vision. Um, but I think once I lost my vision, I was about 13 to 14. And um, for the most part, I just had like people that would tell me what was happening in the movies. And it wasn't really until um, I went to a movie theater and I got to wear the headset and then it was audio described. Um, I think that was probably my first, um, time experiencing it. And then of course now like some shows and things like Netflix will have it. And, um, I think, I guess that's probably the other place I have noticed it. When
1: did you find out about audio description, Maria?
3: I think I actually, uh, witnessed it before I even really knew what it was like I remember prior to even having my daughter hearing something at the beginning of a show saying this television program is available in described video. And I never really looked into what it was, never used it. And then I very distinctly remember the first time I realized, like I put two and two together was we attended um, like a uh, family conference that uh, CNIB put on and they had child care for the kids so that the parents could go and you know listen to a talk and when I went to drop off Alina at the child care place in this room they had the tv on and and the there was a Disney movie playing I think and it was with audio description and I'm like at the At that time i was like oh of course oh right like that's what it's for and this is so great because all the kids would become more engaged with this movie by having the audio description on and i distinctly remember that moment when that clicked for me and then i started using it more and more after that time
1: that's so cool i mean i have it on my tv so that any program that has audio description it's just on automatically. So I don't have to go searching for it or turning it off and on. And everyone else in the house has just learned to live with it. And I think they actually prefer it. What's the situation at your house, Maria?
3: Yeah, I have to say, um, so we have five people in our home and only one is visually impaired. So that's, you know, you would imagine, oh, like that's the only person that would want it on. But the truth is everyone else now is not only just used to it but actually prefers it because um it just gives a little bit more character to the show it makes you notice things that maybe you weren't paying attention to like because the 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 audio description obviously it's pre-scripted so they have thought about what are the important elements and they'll, they'll mention certain things. And sometimes when I'm not really paying attention or like, I just don't notice something. And then the describer will say that, that important piece. I'm so grateful for that. Um, So that's for me as an adult, but I, my kids just um, prefer it. Like they, they, I don't know. I don't know why the sighted ones prefer, prefer it, even though they don't technically need it.
1: Mm. Yeah. My son has grown up hearing it too. And I don't, I don't think he actually notices it, you know, it's just sort of automatic. Um, but it it definitely means that I can, I can ask him about the program he's watching because I know what's going on. So many like animated kid programs is just a lot of noise and not, (laughs) this is pretty hard to follow without.
3: Yes. I'm super grateful to audio des- description or video description, sorry, for animated shows, because when my daughter was very little, um, I don't know why she really got into these extremely pantomime shows. Like, there's a cartoon, very old cartoon. I used to watch it as a kid called Pingu. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's claymation, and all they do is make penguin like newt newt sounds there's no (laughs) dialogue and i think it's actually made somewhere in europe where they don't speak english potentially so you wouldn't understand it and so she was really into pingu because she liked kind of the sound effects and the, the the penguin sounds were cute but then she'd constantly be asking what's happening what's happening so then i would find myself describing for you know, the length of the 15 minute episode, everything, doing it myself. And now I don't really have to do that because most of the cartoons that we watch are on Netflix and most, and for the most part, they are described. And if they're not, I can usually convince her to switch it to something else so that she can just enjoy it. And I can sit (laughs) there and enjoy it with her and not, you know, get dry mouth describing it nonstop.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I would say that my family and um, friends, they definitely like that they don't have to describe it because <laughs> then oh. they can enjoy it and then they don't have to be so f- focused on if they miss telling me something mm-hmm. or whatnot. Because I'm the same, I'll be like, What's happening? What's happening now? What's happening? <laughs> and they'll be like, Colby, it's still the same picture, <laughs> but
1: yeah. you don't want to miss anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my husband, too, he. I mean, we'll be looking for something to watch on Netflix. You know, you finish a series and and it's got to be described. If it's not described, we don't even consider it. And there have been programs that, you know, people are talking about socially and raving about that. I really want to watch. And he's like, but it's not described. And sometimes I'll push. There have been a few where we've watched them anyways. But it has to be sort of a high dialogue drama Mm -hmm. kind of program, not no action or anything. Yeah. It's funny though. Cause I, when I was growing up, that was, that was the only option. You'd go to a movie Yeah, and The person you're with was like trying to talk to you loud enough that you can hear over the movie, but not loud enough that the person beside you can hear. Right. Like you don't want mm-hmm. to disturb people, but yeah. Awkward.
2: Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the same, like even like, or just watching TV when you can't see it, you just like, you don't have another way of mm-hmm. watching it. If there isn't audio description, so you just watch it anyway and you get the most that you can out of it. When I
1: was single and lived alone, there were times when I had to call a friend or call my mom at the end of a program because it would just be music but something happened uh, and yeah. I'd just be like, what happened at the
2: end? Yeah. That is so cruel. Oh,
1: Like, did they brutal. kiss or didn't they kiss or did he <laughs> walk out? Like what happened? You know, what's funny with audio description, sometimes I'm now the one filling in. So like oh. characters' names, you get to hear the characters' <gasps> yes. names early on and everyone else is still trying to figure out who's who. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that,
2: that's, that's me. a good point. Um, my mom, she will not know anyone's name and I'll, then I'll be like, oh, it's so-and-so. And And she's like, who? And then I'll have to like describe how they look. And then she'll be like, oh yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's cool being the one in the know for a change. Okay. So the reason I wanted to talk about this was specifically kind of around how audio description helps beyond the obvious of just filling in the gaps and making TV watching more of an equitable experience. And I know for me, there's, there's things that I'm getting out of it that maybe, maybe the audio describers don't even realize like how beneficial this is. Um, And so if, if you have been blind all your life or, or, you know, fairly low vision, you're, there's probably some things you missed out on. Um, And some of them are kind of coming through with audio description for me. So for example, facial expressions can often be described. And, and so you hear this description of a face facial expression at the same time as you're hearing the tone of voice. And it kind of gives you a greater understanding of emotions and the wide range of emotions that there are, which I think is kind of cool. Is that something you, that Alina has noticed? Do you know, Maria?
3: Yeah, I, I've noticed that um, she definitely has a very developed uh, ability to express her feelings with facial expressions. Like she'll make a face and it's pretty accurately what the face that we would make. Mm.
2: Um,
3: Or even like the sounds. um, So connecting a feeling with how that sounds My child has a very developed, annoyed sigh that I feel like is from watching shows where characters, especially kids shows, right? Everything in kids shows is very exaggerated. Mm. And so sometimes she'll make like an exaggerated sigh or like this annoyed uh, sort of thing that I'm like, hey, that's from that cartoon you were watching, um, which, you know, probably other kids do as well. So maybe like this, the that in and of itself is not unique, but definitely I we've we've noticed that her facial expressions are very accurate. And um, that's probably related to that. And oftentimes she'll even talk to us about that, like she'll say, I'm frowning right now, right? I'm putting the corners of my mouth like lower mm. than, the, than the center of my mouth. That's a frown. So she's understanding that based on, I think, the way that things are described in the shows.
1: I love that. And I think, yeah, like if you're watching cartoons without audio description and you hear the, Ugh, or, Ugh, or whatever, and you don't get the, I don't know, Madeline storms out of the room description mm-hmm. that goes along with it, you might not understand when you're a little kid figuring all this out that that's like what people do when they're frustrated.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which you know in a way like man maybe I don't want that. <laughs> like maybe <laughs> I don't want her to know how to be super dramatic, but no I really do because I I want her to be to be able to have the skills to express her feelings openly in a healthy way in the moment, right? And not like trap things inside and wonder like how do I really explain what's what's going on with me, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not healthy. So
1: yeah. yeah. And interpreting other people's nonverbals and tones of voices and whatever too. For sure. Yeah. Um another one is what people wear in different situations locations or even just like i just like i always like hearing what people are wearing Um, i watch shark tank and dragon's den and i can't remember which one's described one of them is and it'll say a gray-haired man in jeans and a sport jacket enters the den Mm -hmm. and you know i'm like oh cool i have a, a picture of like what do people wear when they go present in front of these investors. And some people are really casual, it seems like, and other people are, you know, it, it's just the, the range of what people, how people present themselves is really interesting and something that I would never experience in real life.
2: Yeah. I find that the, especially like people's appearance is really helpful because like, that's one thing I think that you really miss when you are blind as you don't see what people are wearing and you don't notice maybe like if there's certain things that you should wear to a certain situation or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's really cool to see how they describe them. And then also you can, you can be like, Oh, maybe I'll try that next time or something like that.
1: It's dangerous with these, Subscribing, you know, things like Netflix or Prime, where you could be watching a show that was made in like the 90s <laughs> and thinking that oh, that's the style,
3: and <laughs> not
1: realizing yeah. that yeah, no, that's not. Sean, the style I hate to
3: break it to you, but we're so old that now the things that were cool in the 90s are back in style. <laughs> I know the shoulder crazy. pads. Oh, I hated the bright pads. colors. Yeah, it's all back. Overall, you know. You know, that actually, this kind of ties into, um, I think, something we maybe will talk about later, but um, the ability to sort of relate to um, what other people are doing, what other kids are doing. One of the things I find really interesting is, like, I have two girls. One of them is just typical into the princess stuff, right? She's Mm -hmm. just at that age where she's into Disney princesses and loves all that stuff. The clothes, uh, like the, (laughs) the costumes and things are so uncomfortable. They're not anything a kid would actually want to wear. And they're usually like, you know, the ones you buy from a costume store, like the fabric is scratchy and it's just, I don't know, but they wear it because they saw how that princess looked in the movie and they just become so attached to that. Mm -hmm. And I find that my daughter who is blind is similarly into those costumes and those things, even though they're uncomfortable. And she will say like, oh yeah, this is like really long. This dress is really long and uncomfortable. And I say, well, do you want to take it off? And she'll say, no, I want to be Elsa. (laughs) Um, And so that is made possible by the description um, telling her how beautiful and elaborate and sparkly these things are and how cool that is, right? So she puts mm-hmm. that together and then she wants to pers- participate. So now she's accessing this realm of, of games and, and uh, pretend play that her friends are doing that maybe wouldn't have been interesting to her otherwise.
1: I mean, it, it kind of sets her up for real life when you've got to wear heels, even though they're uncomfortable, or the skinny <laughs> jeans, or the <laughs> yep.
2: underwire in your the bra. The price of or fashion.
1: <laughs> all the <Yes>. things, right?
2: <laughs> price of being a, a woman. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay, so another one I was thinking about was just that the audio description is describing the stuff or the action that's happening. And in, in many cases, it's not something maybe we've ever encountered before. So uh, I don't know, like a kid jumps on a skateboard and, and, and it's just a, it's like a background thing that if, if you were watching, it's not necessarily even that important to the movie, but the kid jumps on the skateboard and, and, you know, s- slides away, glides away. I don't know what you, what the verb goes with skateboarding. Rides, rides away. <laughs> I guess so. And, and then your child is like, what's a skateboard or what's a, whatever, like, does that happen? Does Alina ask you questions about the things that, that she hears?
3: Oh, definitely. Um, and sometimes it's things that I don't even know what they are. Like, Sean, I think you can relate to this because is, um, as you know, I'm a huge fan of your podcasts. And so I've been listening to some lately where you guys were talking about Star Wars and how, oh, you know, yes. like, yeah, your family's into Star Wars. So my kids, well, everyone in my family is into Star Wars. I don't know much about Star Wars and they will describe like, so they'll say like this type of space. I don't even know what the names are. Like I know the Millennium X-wing. Falcon, but I, yeah, the There's- X-Wing. <laughs> and so she'll be like, what is the difference between the X-Wing and the whatever? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask your father. <laughs> uh-huh. um, that That's an obvious one, but there have been other situations where it's some kind of technical thing, like a type of vehicle that I don't know what it is, or um, a tool somebody's using, like we're watching a show where there's like doctors in a hospital and they're they're doing something and it's describing what they're doing. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I Sometimes I'm caught off guard. So we learn together, but most, yeah, a lot of times like I can answer the question. And I'm so glad that it it created that prompt for her so that we could have the conversation.
1: Yes. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> what, what characters are even, right? Like in Star Wars, some people are droid, well, there's droids and then there's humanoids or humans, but then there's like morphed things that are like part this or that. And I, I feel like I'm constantly having to get some clarification like is that an animal is that a person is that
3: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I struggle with like yeah, there's many things I struggle with with Star Wars, but yes. that's one of them. Yeah.
1: And and just side note like with audio description, I actually almost enjoy watching the star wars movies i'm gonna say almost enjoy it's not my bag it's not what i would sign up for but without when i was a kid the first ones came out and i didn't get it didn't understand had no interest was like what's all the fuss about like it's so action-packed that you know there's no way you're gonna understand without it. yeah it's just all sound effects totally
2: yeah yeah well that's cool yeah I like the fact that if um, they t- they're they talking about something and you don't know what it is, then you can, like for me, I know just now, um, lots of times if, if I don't know what it, something is, then I'll, I'll look it up on the internet and then mm. I'll be like, oh, okay, now right. I know what that is.
1: Yes, Google. Google in in combination with audio description. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Who needs it's a school? winning combination? <laughs> Just kidding. Stay in school. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maria, you when we were talking about the planning for this conversation, you mentioned vocabulary and how audio description has expanded vocabulary for your kids. You want to talk yeah. about that?
3: So, with respect to vocabulary a lot of it does depend on just the kid. Obviously some kids are going to be earlier talkers with more vocabulary earlier on and other kids different, but I've definitely noticed specific situations where my kids will use words that are new or just kind of like advanced, um, that I know for sure. Like I know what show you were watching, we were watching it together or yeah. Like I know that they heard it on, um, the show with the audio description and i almost feel like with audio description it brings the show a little bit closer to what an audiobook would be like right Mm -hmm. and when you think about um reading and the development of vocabulary, a lot of people say that audiobooks are almost akin to actually reading a book. So if the the audio description brings you a little bit closer to that, then it's almost like your kid is now reading a book instead of using screen time. Like I try not to rely on that too heavily with my kids who are sighted because they're still, you know, watching the screen. But at the very least, I know that they're getting a little bit more of that vocabulary and the, the scene is more verbally described. So they're learning those words. And I, I really think that does help them for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, you also mentioned the imagination, um, enhancing their imagination skills of in their play that you've noticed.
3: Yes. Uh, this is super amusing. So My kids, uh, like I have two girls that are fairly close in age. And so they've always played together, um, you know, just whatever imaginary things they come up with. And then I started to notice over time, um, this coincided with when Disney and Netflix both really started to invest in their description. So it used to be that, uh, like I would say four or five years ago, when you would try to choose a show on one of those services, it was really a hunt. Like you really had to kind of dig to find one, especially the kids ones, the kids ones were not described as frequently. And now it's almost the opposite. Like you can sort of, when you log on to Disney, um, Disney plus, you can sort of assume that it's going to have description. So as this shift was taking place, what I noticed was that my girls started like playing as though they are in a show and describing their own actions. So for example, my daughter would be um, pretending that she's climbing a mountain as she's Uh climbing the stairs like on all fours. And and so as she's doing this, she would say, Princess Leia climbs to the top of the mountain, searching (laughs) for the missing droid. And like the first couple of times we heard this, we're like, What? It was just really weird. But now this is how they play is they describe what they're doing as they play, and it has become just like a component of how they play and they and they both do it like the sighted one does it just as much as the blind one does. And I find it really cool. And it also kind of uh, maybe is a, like a natural tool that they developed because one child can see one child can't. So. This way, when they're both describing, it's making the game more accessible. You know, the younger one is making the game more accessible to her older sister because she's describing everything that she's doing. They didn't they didn't sit down and decide they didn't have like a team meeting one day and say, (laughs) you know, it would be more equitable if we described our games. They just started doing it naturally. And that's really cool to
2: witness.
1: Oh, that's so cool. I love that. And that would be so helpful because play is so random and like kids aren't when they're young or not as verbal sometimes. And so like, if, if your daughter, your sighted daughter is, is filling in the gaps, like, ah, I love that. That's so cool.
3: Yeah. I, I actually told um, there's like, I think Sean, you know her too. There's a woman that is um, that runs the company that does some of the video description. Mm-hmm. And at one point I actually emailed her because I wanted her to know like just how Deep of an impact this has, how deeply it works its way into, you know, how these kids think and play. And like, she was very happy to receive that email because, you know, she said from her perspective too, like we do these things, we don't actually get to see the, the other end that often, right? Like it just goes out into the ether and we hope that it's useful and we hope that people enjoy it. So it was good to share that with her so that everyone there knows like how much they contribute.
1: Yes. I will be sending this podcast to descriptive video work so they can share it around to all their staff and, oh, and cool. readers and writers and, and hear the impact. Cause yeah, this is the stuff that I don't, I really don't know if, if it's not, you know, the main, the main point is just to make the program more meaningful, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if people realize how much more meaningful it really is the depth of that. So this is so great.
2: Yeah, that, that sounds just incredible that your kids do that. Oh, wow. I Can you imagine how play would have been as a <laughs> yeah. kid if all
1: our friends and siblings and cousins just were describing their Yeah.
3: <laughs> kids <laughs> are amazing, <laughs> man. Kids will like, they're so creative and they kids will fashion something useful out of the most, you know, mundane stuff. Like you give them this tiny little tool and they take it and they just use, uh, use it in so many ways that you wouldn't expect. It's really cool. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Something else. I know some of the audio describing companies are doing live description now for things like the Olympics and the Paralympics. And I feel like I mean, I didn't even know there was a Paralympics until I was uh, late teens. I'm, I'm any kid that meets me now is going to know they exist. But <laughs> I feel like now that they are going to be and are televised and described, kids with disabilities, especially specifically kids who are blind or partially sighted, who are watching, are going to be able to hear like about these sports mm-hmm. and realize that oh you know, this is something I could do if I wanted to, that this is an option for me, which I think is also fabulous. Um, Let's talk about just the ability to um, connect with peers because we've watched the same things that they have. I feel like this happens for kids and adults, right? Everybody at work is talking about this is us and I've watched it too with audio description. (laughs) So I can get in, in the conversation. Is that something that has been helpful for Alina as well?
3: Yeah, it's, it's huge, especially because I think for kids, the things that they like to watch on TV permeate other aspects. It's not just like, Oh, you know, talking about the show with our friends, like, kids will get, um, a lunch box with their favorite character mm-hmm. from a show on it, or mm-hmm. their t-shirt will have a picture of that or like who they go for, um, who they go as for Halloween will be that there's yes. so many things. So I've noticed this recently. Um, my daughter just recently got into this movie f- series, uh, for the Avengers, which is like a, a compilation of a bunch of different superheroes And I remember like I remember as a kid watching movies with all of them separately. But now I guess they've all come together. Mm -hmm. And so she's Mm -hmm. really into it. And the the movies are really similar, Sean, to what you described with Star Wars. Like it's action. It's superheroes. There is sound effects, whoosh, bang, clang, like all the usual stuff, um, I really feel like it would not be as interesting to her without the description. But the description is really good and it got her engaged. And so now she totally gets it. And, um, you know, she came home the other day from camp and I said, oh, did you make fr- new friends at camp? Um, and she said, oh, yeah, I'm, I made friends with this this boy. And I said, oh, well, what do you guys do together? Like, what do you have in common? And she said, oh, he really likes this character from the Avengers. And I like him, too. And we talked about it. And it was like, bingo, you know, there it is. Is like it happened. And so, you know, they were... So he was this boy was telling her about this action figure that he had. And then she told him about, you know, stuff that she had in her um, school supplies that had Avengers stickers and whatever. And so they connected over this and that would not have like, I guarantee that would not have happened because that type of that, that whole genre of movies is very difficult to enjoy when Mm -hmm. you're not being told what's going on. Oh, and I
1: just love that for a whole other reason as well, because that little boy learned something without being taught that first of all, blind people watch movies. Yes. <laughs> right. Like like that sort of education piece that happens, not even on purpose. Like he's gonna go into the world now with an assumption that if you know that people who are blind do watch TV and movies and access this stuff and have the same kind of level of interests and experiences, which I think is so, so great.
3: Yeah, that's huge. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, if you weren't convinced that audio description was a positive thing, I hope you are now. And I think that there's always, you know, advocating for more. So not every program is audio described. Um, It's, Yeah, obviously it costs some money to make that happen. And, and the producers and the networks have to kind of get on board, but it's, it does make such a huge difference. Let's talk a little bit about good versus less good audio description. Colby, do you have some things you love or hate about audio description?
2: (laughs) I would say like when it's done really good, then it's, it's very enjoyable But sometimes, like, if it's not very well done, then it really messes up the whole show, I think.
1: So what are some things that are not good?
2: I guess making sure that the um, audio description isn't covering any of the dialogue of the movie.
1: Yes. That's one thing. Definitely.
2: (laughs) And I, I also, I don't like when the... Oh, the description is like way louder than the actual show. Yes. It's it's like so frustrating.
1: Yes. And that happens a lot, actually. And you're kind of constantly turning up and down because it feels like it's yelling at you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or Um, a really monotone voice.
2: Oh, yeah. That's that's describing
1: like, yeah. Does Alina ever complain about any of that stuff?
3: Um, No, actually, she's a huge fan of almost every describer that we've come across. I would say she has a few favorites. And actually, there's one describer in particular that she loved so much that she asked to like meet them as her birthday present. Aww. So Hello. it was hilarious. Cause you know, like most kids are like, Oh, I want to meet like this famous actor or, yes, you know, I yes. want to spend the day with like Superman, like a character. She was like, I want to meet this woman that describes Shira." ra um, <laughs> It was really funny. Was funny. So uh, I think she has just, I think we've been mostly just lucky that the, the the caliber of shows that we watch, I guess, are are high enough that they invest in good audio description. Mm. There's been a few times where we accidentally downloaded something um, from from the library and it was not human narrated. Yes. And that was Um, really annoying. Like she found that very frustrating. Like it made no sense. And the voice is super monotone. So we pretty much Um, never listen to that sort of thing. But that's not the type of description you normally get, like on your regular TV or your uh, like Netflix type (laughs) subscription.
2: Yeah.
1: Kind of like the difference between listening to an electronic book, like on your computer with a screen reader versus a human reading it audio book. Right. Yeah. 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 That would be annoying. I know that is something that gets discussed like it's a lot cheaper to have the electronic voice obviously than a human but it's going to take away a lot from and, and my opinion would be sort of like okay if it was something I had to watch maybe for education um or like you know the I don't know if it was like on the airplane, the safety video, and it had, it had that robotic kind of voice. That's better than no description perhaps, but for pleasure watching, no way. I wouldn't want that. Are there other things besides TVs and movies that we wish were described? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like definitely.
3: So a couple times that we have wanted to do something uh, as a family. And then we just found the barrier to be too much with it not being accessible, but it could have been, if there were description, there's a couple of things I can think. Of. And then there are situations where there was, there was description available and it really helped out. So for example, um, going to a museum,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, you're not allowed to touch anything. <laughs> museums are so cool. There are so many interesting artifacts, but number one, you're not allowed to touch anything. And number two, there's no way that I as a parent can describe things in an adequate fashion. You know, like I'm not a historian, I'm not an anthropologist. This is something that really needs to be done by a professional. And so when we've gone to uh, like just, uh, I think maybe once or twice, we've gone to something where you get a headset and then you can like link your, um, as you tour around, like I guess it can sort of sense which artifact Mm -hmm. you're next to, and then you can select it. That was really cool. And I wish that all museums and art galleries and stuff like that had that for everything. And then another, uh, situation, which I know it sounds like really weird, but, um, going to concerts or the symphony, um, I wish that there was description in and around um, like outside of the music. Obviously, when you're listening to the music, you don't need description that much, Mm -hmm. but uh, like setting the whole scene and explaining who's on the stage and what they look like and what they're wearing.
0: It's a huge,
3: it's something that for me is like, that's part of the reason why I enjoy going to the symphony, for example. And it's really awkward describing all of that because you're sitting in the audience and you're like talking and with a younger person, like a child, you know, sometimes they'll have questions. It actually would be really cool if there was limited description available at those types of shows for the stuff that isn't the music Mm -hmm. that you could enjoy that. Is that weird? No, to,
2: to I don't
1: that. think that's no. weird. You're no. right.
2: That's part of the yeah.
1: ambiance or whatever, right? <laughs> like part of why you're there is knowing yeah. what what it looks like.
2: Yeah. Um, whenever I've gone to a concert, I'm always asking whoever I'm with, like, what is so-and-so wearing and like what are they doing while they're on stage? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Cause like, yeah, you can hear the music and all that, but there's so much more than just that.
3: Yeah. And here's the business case for making this um, happen—not just for people who are blind—is when you buy your tickets to the symphony, there's this like thing about how close you are to the stage and the visibility, and will you see the details and whatever. And people get so worked up about that, and it costs so much more money to buy the good, you know, viewing seats. Mm. If you were to dis- if you were to make that audio description available to people, maybe it would number one, like make that less of a hassle. So people would uh, be open to buying tickets in quote, the nosebleeds because they're like, well, I'll still get some value because I, things will be described to me. Mm -hmm. And also even um, it will be similar to what we talked about in the beginning about how sighted people get value from that description. It will enhance the experience that sighted people already Mm -hmm. have when somebody describes it to them especially in a setting like for example the symphony where there's uh that one is kind of similar to the museum where there's like technical things like alina will ask me oh like what instruments are they playing and i'm like i don't know like it looks (laughs) like a violin but it's bigger and it has this many strings but if somebody professionally is describing they'll be like the viola (laughs) you know so that i don't (laughs) screw it up
1: yeah i just when you're talking about museums, it was making me think of Disneyland, which yes. I was so excited. We went to Disneyland in 2020 before COVID and I got my little headset device that walked around the park and it told me what I was Passing by, and for more information, <gasps> really? press one and get a description. Oh and my gosh. Some of the rides had audio description while you were on them. It was telling you, like, it's a small world, which is just an oh annoying song, but with audio description was yes. like giving me all of it. It was so amazing. And I, this was my uh, third time, no, fourth, fourth time going to Disneyland. And the first time I actually felt really part of the experience. Like it was the best. It was so great. So yeah, makes a world of difference.
0: That's so
3: awesome. We did mm-hmm. use it, um, as well. The, the, the one and only time we went, we, we used it and it was great. So I'm so glad that you were able to access that.
1: Yeah. Was so cool. So I really like if everybody followed their lead, <laughs> the lead of Disneyland yeah. <laughs> life would just be so richer If for those of us who can't see. Well, I think this has been awesome. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here and taking part in this discussion.
3: My pleasure. Yes.
1: Thanks for having us. I will definitely pass this along to a few people who I think would be really interested in hearing what we had to say about this. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast with a friend, like, and subscribe and join us next time.
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families